Table for Three, Table for Three, Table for Three podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Table for Three podcast, episode 23. I'm your host, Tyro Tyler. To my immediate right is my lovely co-host, Bacardi D, a.k.a. Deanna, a.k.a. OVO Tinsley, a.k.a. Sit on your face if you want. What's going on? How you feeling? See, niggas fucked up the intro. I was going to introduce my guest at a later date, but niggas done laughed already. So we'll get to them in just a second. What's going on, though? What's, what's up? What's up? OVO Tinsley, hello. Um, I'm doing fine. Um, Okay. Thanks for the introduction. Oh, you already know. That's what I do. I see. For you, that's what I do. Okay. How how are you? Um, I'm doing all right. That's that's it. What do you want a synopsis? Nah, I'm just nah, just all right. Just sounds kind of trash. Oh, how well, I'm doing you? I'm doing good. I mean, life good, everything good. Yeah, I haven't like became a millionaire yet or anything. Just, other than that, everything's good. I still work for a living though. Okay, all right. Every day I think about stripping. Whoa. Mm. Would you? We'll get into that in a second. Uh, Sit on your face for real. Yeah. Uh, you don't do that at the strip clubs. At, you can't touch the strippers. I ain't gonna lie, that's kind of shitty. You ain't been to the right strip club. <laughs> Chris White, he can get away with that. So. But now, Chris ain't got a rapper, so he probably can't get away with that. So never mind. Uh, yeah, so Chris is here, your girlfriend's favorite uh, favorite engineer. Uh, what's going on, man? How you feeling? How you feeling? I'm doing pretty good. Fresh, well, not really fresh. You've been back for a while, but fresh off the plane from Dallas. I just like to yeah. add in there, of course, they don't let your girlfriend's favorite engineer touch the strippers. That's a fact. That's hey. A fact. How you feeling, man? You good? Yeah, I'm good. What about you? I'm good. I can't complain. I'm tired. I was I was out late last night, but I'm good, though. I'm what was you yeah, doing? I saw you tweet oh, something man. about it was my, it's my, it's my, tipsy it's my, at 16. It's my sister Raven's birthday weekend. So, you know, you, like, y'all, you know how women can't just do one thing for their birthday? They got to have six days or six activities. That's what it was. So, she's mm-hmm. doing this Thursday through Friday. So, yeah. So, we, we we went out to dinner, and then we went to 16-bit. So, did you do the whole Thursday through Friday or just I yesterday? Do, I didn't do Thursday and Friday. I did yesterday, and then I'll do today. Oh, wow. So, she yeah. really is doing the Thursday through Listen, Friday. You know what I'm saying? Shout out to my sister. Happy birthday. Where'd you ball out more? The restaurant or 16 bit? Oh, no, I bought out at the restaurant yeah. more for sure. You gotta get yeah. drinks. I bought I one drink at 16 bit. That was it. And What'd I you get? Games. Did you get one of them slushy drinks? Nah, I actually I got the Hulk Hogan, even though he's racist. But yeah. Who's ra- oh Hulk Hogan? I'm yeah. thinking of the Hulk and shit. He's racist? Yeah, he, he was called saying nigger a bunch no. of times. I have to I have to put you on the game. Yeah, I'll I'll hit They you finally let him back in WWE, didn't yeah, they? Fuck that nigga though. Uh <laughs> hey yo, Chris, real quick before I get into these guests that we have here. Um, I never noticed that you have a ruby in your nose. I just changed it. It used to be a hoop. Oh yeah, you get money. That's how I know. <laughs> Book with Chris at Timeless. He getting money. <laughs> so you took out the hoop and put in a ruby. Yeah, you getting money. That's Yeah, I was going to change it this morning, but it's a different type of nose piercing. It's the one with like a ball on the end. Okay. So you got to kind of like yank it out and it hurts a little bit. And I was like, ah, I'll, I'll do it later. I was going to change it back to the hoop though. Chris red and I'm in all blue. And, and no, it's a little yeah, weird. You didn't want to do the whole Chris and blood thing. I feel it. Right, is man. your birthstone a ruby? No. Okay. I have no That's idea what my birthstone is. When is your birthday? November. I don't need Fuck, I used to know what mine was, but I don't remember anything. When is your birthday? Wait, no, I think you're just a ruby. ruby. Yeah, you if go. your birthday yeah, in July, real? yeah. yeah. Gang, Hold gang. up. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You gotta Google this. Oh, now you Keep to talking. Uh, let, let me get into my guests because they sitting here awkward and silent and they want to <laughs> talk and shit. So, yeah, let me get into my guests real quick. Uh, sitting to the uh, immediate right of Deanna. Uh, this young man is from Cincinnati, but he currently lives in Rhode Island. I don't care what he Rhode says. That's Island. my story. Rhode he lives in Rhode Island. Island. He, lives in a, he lives in a lighthouse in Rhode Island. Uh, he <laughs> drove nine hours here. It was really six, but I'm going to say nine. He drove nine nine hours here. Uh, Darrell is here. Uh, 
Give you back shots if you want. Hey, yeah. Wow. That's his nickname. That you know okay. what? I'll take that. See? I'll take that. <laughs> That's his nickname. You know what I mean? How you doing, sir? I'm doing good with bandana out here. How you doing? Can't complain, man. Can't complain. Now, god damn it to my far right. <laughs> <laughs> to my far right. She is light skinned. <laughs> Colorism that's going on. Right. <laughs> is she light skinned? She is. Right. I know she you about is to say she's light skinned. She wears glasses. <laughs> Why are you giving up this? <laughs> what? Okay, go ahead. I'm man, sorry. I'm sorry. I'm intro, sorry. Man. I'm sorry. Go ahead. She is light skinned. She wears glasses. She's also from Cincinnati. She hails from the downtown area. She will shoot you in the face if you say the wrong <laughs> shit to her. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen. Deidre is on the podcast, aka do a split on the dick. <laughs> oh, wow. oh wow! Oh wow! I, I don't know about the the, the split though. Okay. <laughs> I, ain't, I, ain't, I ain't in shape for that no okay. more. So okay, it, it don't go down like that Once no more. We got drunk at like the you... club. She had some Moscato and she just did the splits in the club. That, that was the club. Was I thought that was Donisha Mama House. Maybe it happened twice. I don't fucking know. Maybe it, you know she just got <laughs> doing splits. Listen, this was back in like. My younger days, okay? okay. I am saved okay. now. So how, Leave me alone. So, so how are you doing, Deidre? I'm doing, how you I'm doing fine. Okay. Doing okay. All right. Okay. Minus so, your annoying ways, but yeah. You really can't do the splits yeah. no more? No. Nah, I was just wondering. <laughs> Not at all. My flexibility is like zero to, like, it's, it's, it's low. Yeah. My, my annoying way? Yes. Oh, you know what it I'm is. I'm going to keep asking. He's going to keep asking to you. Answer yeah, them. I like, don't know who she's talking about. All right. Uh, yeah, all right. So listen. We're going to try to have control on this episode because when we have multiple <laughs> guests, shit gets chaotic and our guests have voiced their opinions that they can't hear people. So we're going to try to keep this shit to a... Uh, we're going to try to keep order in here. Good luck. Raise your hand if yeah. you want to talk. No. <laughs> I'm just... Uh, just an update. It's Topaz, by the way. Oh, oh okay. Is a topaz? See, I knew okay. that. I knew that. That's like that light blue. It's like the color of my eyes. Oh, <laughs> yeah, Topaz Blue Eyes. Put that on your dating profile. I'm really out here trying to get the bitches for real. Okay. All right. So, uh, what are we getting into today? Why are we here? Deanna, this this is literally your episode. You curated this. What? Why are we here today? Oh, wow. Well, besides the fact that we had to record because of our schedule, but why are we here? <laughs> this episode in particular. Okay. So, this episode is a more serious episode. Obviously, you know, there might be a few jokes because you can't take life too serious, but... It is more geared towards like depression and mental health um, and also like the stigma of it, like in a black community, especially for black men. Um, and honestly, Darrell reached out to me and I thought it would be a really good idea because he felt like that is something that was needed to be heard. And honestly, I thought that it'd be a great idea. I know Tyler has talked about his journey on social media, so Thought it'd be fun. Well, not fun, but a good discussion to have. Okay. Um. So, really, with Darrell reaching out, we should probably start with him. You know what I'm saying? Like, like why he felt no, yeah, felt the necessary. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm saying it was uh, his idea. He can't uh, do. Put you on spot, but I'm not trying to put him on spot. But I'm just saying, I just feel so, like, so you're trying to get deep real quick. Nah, I mean we don't. What else we got to talk about? Because <laughs> like, I'm saying I didn't bring no topics to the table because I knew that it was going to be a serious episode. So I didn't want to be too jokey. Yeah, jokey, I mean, so. and we don't want it to be like people think we're not taking it serious. But at the same time, you know, sometimes you got to laugh in your pain. Right. But. um, Word to Kevin Hart, though. Right. Word to Kevin Hart, even though he's not that funny anymore. No, uh, 
Tyler took that to the heart. He loved Kevin Hart. I, I took it to the heart too. I told him it's because he's a dad. What is it? That, that irresponsible? Wait, like it was not. not that funny. The first, I remember the first record, and I talked about how I didn't think he was that funny anymore. Are you, you talking about the one was... where he had hella fire? No, that was. Um, I didn't think that one was that funny. That wasn't laughing my pain. That was. Um, the one that he just put on. Uh, no, yeah, I'm talking about the, Netflix, the one he right? just released. That was, that, no, that that's, was the one he, that's the one he did in the middle of the stadium. You yes. thought the new one was funny? No, no, no. Oh, okay. I'm the newest one I didn't think was funny. Okay, well, but that's that doesn't what I'm mean saying. he's not, not funny anymore. I think he's a better comedic actor. I don't think he's that great actor. at stand-up. His first few stand-ups were Hilarious. Yeah, yeah, no, his first few stand-ups were. But Epic. now he, like, too, he, like, don't want to touch, like, the more um, controversial topics. Like, he talked too much about his family and cheating on his wife and stuff. I mean, which that's controversial in his house. But I'm just saying, like, I think the people that talk about more political stuff, sometimes it can be more funny. But Shout out to Dave Chappelle. <laughs> and Chris Rock. That's my guy. But I'm sorry. We went off on a tangent. <laughs> <laughs> so, Darrell, why did you think it was necessary for this topic to be... Um, talked about? Yeah. Um... I guess because, you know, like you said, um, or like yeah, you said that, um, you know, with the stigma, especially with black men in general, um, there's a stigma that we aren't allowed to show emotions. And due to that, things get bottled up, things, you know, get put to the wayside. And then one day we crack. And that's when people want to try to look at us and say, like, oh, he's a monster and shit like that, because that's how it wouldn't happen to me. And that's not the case. It's right. just that, you know, we had to be strong for too long. Right. So it's like, you know, especially in the black community, we are told to just pray stuff away and not really seek help. And that's a big, that's a big issue because um, it took me, I didn't realize that I had been dealing with depression since I was like in the fifth grade. Like I was young. And, you know, it took me until recently, I would say like two years ago, two, three years ago, where I finally actually got diagnosed. And that's when my journey started to get to where I'm at right now. So what was... What was, uh, so what all happened within this journey? I mean, like, what, what was your breaking point when you decided to say, like, nah, like, something's wrong. I need to go, like, something's wrong. I need to get this figured out. When did that happen? Like, what, what caused that? Um, the first time, the first time I saw, uh, sought out help, um, it was because I was dealing with a lot of stuff that was going on in my household, mm -hmm. um, at the time. And I went out to seek, you know, anger management issues or anger management help. Then I realized that, you know, it was a little bit more than that because for a week I was out of work because I just couldn't function mm -hmm. at all. Couldn't function. And, you know, I, during that week I went to see someone. They say, you know, hey, you have depression, blah, blah, blah. But I didn't really take it seriously at the time. You know, um, I could be honest about that. Like, you know, I just kind of try to force my way into getting better instead of actually working on it. So later on that year, it was like 2016, 17, 17, um, 2017, um, in October, I was out of work for a month because my depression just took over. So you just, you weren't working. Like, it's not like you were on leave from a job. You just, I would, like no, you did I, not have a job. No, I was working. Okay. But I was, I was just like, I took time off of work. Okay. Gotcha. All right. So, and that was another thing. It was like, you know, I didn't, the first time I didn't have time for to, you know, I didn't have the funds to sit there and be out for too long. So I had to force myself back into work. Right. Then the second time it happened, luckily I had, you know, um, I had enough PTO and I could get you no know, short-term disability and stuff like that. 
to, you know, take the time off to try to get through the things. But again, I was trying to force myself back into, back into the world. And, you know, that was, that was like my cracking point. My breaking point was back in January. I think I had brought this up to you. Um, back in January, I actually tried to take my own life. Mm. So that was like my breaking, breaking point. And it's hard to explain exactly what my thought process was during the whole time. It's just like, I guess I can say I just gave up. Mm. Like I really gave up and like even not even my son could help me. And that's what hurts the most to, the, to this day. So with the, when you um, attempted to take your own life, what stopped you or did you try and then just fail or? I failed. Okay. Like I tried, I failed. Um, um, I took a bunch of pills. I uh, tried to take some NyQuil and drank a bunch of wine. I tried to basically just not wake up. Mm. And luckily when I was in the car, when it was happening, like my body kept jerking and waking my ass back up. So I couldn't fall asleep. But you know, the next day I tried to do it again. I tried to you know, put a bag over my head. I was trying a lot of shit. I was looking it up too. Like it, it got, like I said, it got, it got bad. Um, and then luckily... Friend of mine, um, Taylor Fowler, actually. Shout out to Taylor, by the way. Shout out to Taylor. Shout out to Taylor. Cause she legit saved my life. Um, she actually, she's in LA right now, but she did everything she could and she ended up calling the cops on me. And they came to the house. And it's like at first I was mad, but like now I'm just like, you know, I'm th- I'm thankful that she did because if she didn't, I wouldn't be here at all. So uh so after all of that, after all of that took place and everything like that, like what what were the steps after that? I mean, did you did you enroll in therapy? Did you uh, you know were you were you sent to a hospital? I mean, what what happened after that? And I mean, if listen, if it's if it's like too deep for you to like, I don't. Want oh to no, no, nothing, no 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 so, no 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 no. Disclose what you want to disclose. No no no. It's honestly, to be honest, like it's not going to trigger anything. It's like I said, it's just one of those things where I feel like it needs to be talked about. Okay. So it's like I can I'm open about it. Um. So. What happened was the cops came to to my house, and of course I was being petty when they got there. But they, what well, I had to, me. <laughs> um, but I they petty to the end, to the end, mama to this was. day. My mama definitely was. But I, um, they ended up taking me to the hospital where they had to first I had to get medically cleared to even be seen properly um, because I had taken, I would say like. A seventy-five percent of a big ass size bottle of Tylenol. Now, that's not going to have an immediate effect on you, but they told me that if I would have waited a few more hours, my liver would have shut down. Mm. That's how bad it was. So it could have been bad. It would have been very painful for me, but I wouldn't have been here. Um, so once I got medically cleared, they sent me up to the psych ward. Now, when I was in the ward, that was interesting—an interesting, interesting time. Um, I was in the ward for. I want to say a week um, and actually being around other people who had mental health issues. There was people with bi- uh, bipolar that were schizophrenic and um, things like that. And then just being there for that week, um, it felt like I was in prison, like legit locked up. Like I couldn't, I could only walk in an L shape on the floor. The only time I can walk, go off the floor is when we had, you know, group therapies or um, rec, rec time. And those were only like a half an hour, not even that. And, you know, this was also during a, <laughs> the middle of a snowstorm. So I was stuck there. Um, I was stuck there. It was freezing all the time. Like, 
I didn't have a clo- any clothes initially. This um, is all in New York, right? This is all in New York. Okay. I was right. in New York. Because okay. um, I was in Buffalo. That's when we had the snowstorm. I had to watch the Super Bowl. And and there, like, it was it was just all bad. And, like, it really it really opened my eyes up and opened my 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 mental, like, you know, it was like, I don't ever want to come back here. Mm-hmm. And, like, I couldn't even, like, it was, like, it was, like I said, like, it was a prison. And, like, when people would try to call me, like, they had to call a community phone. And the staff wouldn't answer. The patients would answer. So if a, if a whacked out patient answered the phone, I was I never knew people called me. Right. right. So it was like, you know, I had to like stay by like I had to stay by the phone. I could barely sleep. Like, you know, there was like a few incidents that happened there. Like it was it was bad. It was a prison. It was just like I said, I could I could never come back. Ever. And that was like a very that was a, my turning point there. You know, just being in that being so isolated because I don't have family up in New York. Like mm-hmm. I don't have anyone near me. I'm up there solo, basically, besides my my son's my son's mom's family. So it's like, but I don't have my friends up there. I don't have my family up there. So it was like really, really, really isolating up there. So I'm assuming it was difficult to get support while you were in the ward. I mean, because because y'all aren't allowed to have visitors, are you? We could have visitors, um, but like I said, nobody could come up because, like I said, it was during the middle of a snowstorm. Right, right. Okay. So nobody was able to come up. Like my mom and dad were trying to come up. Like they were trying to like force their way up here, but it wasn't happening. Gotcha. Your um, mom and dad still here in Cincinnati. My dad's still here in Cincinnati. My mom down in Charlotte. Okay. So and she would she was ready to hop on a flight, but I told them don't even do it. Like it's not. It's just it was just too much. Um, I mean I did have you know I did have a little bit of support though. Like there was a few people that you know reached out to me and tried to call me. Like my cousin my cousin Gus called me. Um, Taylor was calling me, and a few other people called me. Delon, like people like that, They're like people were reaching out to me and stuff like that. But again, it's still like like I said because they were all here, back here. Right. I was it, yeah, it was different. So like you know, it was it was rough. Uh, after so after the you said you were in the, the you said you were in the cycle for what a week yeah a week. So after that what was uh what was it like after that I mean were you do you feel it was beneficial or or um when you got out did you feel like you felt worse or I had mixed emotions when I got out um like I said it felt like I just I just got out from doing a bit like I really did. Um, but when I got out, like at first I wanted to be alone. So like, you know, cause like I said, I didn't, I didn't have my own room. It, it, it was, just, it was just like, it was hard to, it's hard to describe what it was like being in there, but I wanted to be alone and I got a hotel for a week. And even when I was in the hotel, I still felt like, like it's like I was alone. I was lonely. I was, and I just, that's when I really felt my isolation when I was like at the hotel, I'm just like, Yo, like I don't have any family or friends up here. Right. Nobody can pull up on me. Like nobody can check on me. I can't go to nobody's house right now. Like everybody's six hours away from me. Right. Like I'm like I'm really up here all alone. And I ain't gonna lie. Like when I was in the hotel, I cried a few nights. Like yo, that that shit was like it was rough. Like because I didn't have anybody up here. And you know at the time, like you know me and my son's mom, we aren't together. So it's like you know I wasn't when I got out. I wasn't staying at the house. Like. Right. You know, I would go over there to visit to see my son and stuff because, you know, I still got the voicemail on my phone from when my son called me. But, um, but yeah, so it's like I had to deal with that. And then I stayed with the grandmother for a little bit. And I finally, like, finally I found my own place. You know, I was trying to get myself back on my feet. But, yeah, it was definitely, it was definitely, like, 
it was rough for like the first, I would say, three months. So from about February to about early April, it was like I was struggling. So were you working during all that time? Like, did you have a job? Yeah, and you know what's crazy? I had just got a new job in, in the beginning of January, like right before it happened. Uh, so. So, and that dude, do the, does the new job, like... Um, they don't know. Okay. Uh, I, oh, is that the job you currently at? Mm-hmm. Okay. They don't know anything about that. And luckily what happened was um, the Friday, the, it was a Friday and I was real, real sick. Um, so they ended up sending me home. So what I did was I kind of played off of that. Yeah. <laughs> and told them, right. Yeah. I told them, I was like, oh, I'm still sick. I'm in the hospital, but I can't have visitors. Da, da, da. So like, you know, I had to finesse that one right quick. So no, nah, they, don't, they don't know what happened. Okay. So, um, <laughs> we talked about, um, when he, when he got out mm-hmm. of the war, he went to go stay at a hotel a couple of days by himself, but with him not having any family or friends up there, it was very lonely. Okay. Gotcha. Uh, real quick. Um, we got a late addition to the show, uh, to, to my extreme far right, who's sitting to the right of Deidre. Uh, we have Megan. Megan's here. Um, Megan, can you tell can you tell the listeners a little bit about what you do? Okay, so that pertains to the episode. Yeah, yeah. Tell the listeners what you do. So I am a licensed professional counselor in the state of Ohio. Um, I actually have my master's in clinical mental health counseling. So Ooh. I am, for the most part, my job is I'm a therapist. Um, I deal with a lot of kids, but as of lately, I've started to deal with a lot of adults. So I do have clients that do deal with depression so um how when you said you know you're you're dealing with kids how do kids handle it um i find that with a lot of my kids you either have the ones who um don't have the energy to do much of anything they don't you know want to go out of the house they don't want to interact with friends um or you have the kids who are just angry like they don't know that it's it it's depression and sometimes it comes out as anger. So it's just, it really depends on the kid that I'm dealing with. Are they accepting of it? Like, you know, when you're explaining to them, like, listen, like you're going through some things, this is what it is. Are they fighting that information that you're giving them? Are they receiving it and trying to, you know, take that and, and learn from it? Um, I find that if it's, if I'm dealing with an older kid, like say a teenager, they're more accepting of it because then you're able to kind of sit down and actually explain to them like why it, why it's depression. So actually walking them through what we call our DSM criteria of what depression looks like and how it equates to what they're dealing with in their life. So it really just depends on the age of the kid. Okay. Before we get, let me see. Because I, I know I know Deidre wanted to be a part of this episode. Before we get into Deidre, we'll get into Deidre, and uh, you know I'll tell my little story. And I know I know Chris is going through some stuff too. Um, why do y'all think that there's this this stigma with depression and the black community? Like like why do y'all think that that's a thing within us? Yeah, can I go? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Um, and I think it, I definitely in the past been guilty of it myself. We look at it like black people are very resistant to me to like, um, I'm not gonna say like, like medicine or stuff like that, but they feel like black people, 
when it comes to like therapy and stuff like you letting it, you know, white people or mm-hmm. these therapists tell you this or that about yourself. So it's like a resistant thing to where they feel like you're supposed to be so strong, you can get through it. Or they bring up like the ancestors or something like that, where it's like, I mean, that's probably why we might be, you know, going through certain stuff because they went through so much and they didn't understand what they were dealing with. So I feel like it's like a, a it's, it's um, attached to being weak. Mm-hmm. And black people think you're supposed to just always be strong all the time. When really, if you dealing with something like that and coping with it, I think that's really strong. Like, but that's what I think. And and religion, and religion, because that just give it to God and pray. And I mean, God can't fix everything. Like, <laughs> or it's the what happens in our family stays in our family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like, don't tell people our business mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Uh, I think. I'll- when a lot of families say that a lot of that shit gets swept up under the rug mm-hmm. like you know what I'm saying like you know, they don't even the, talk about it the yeah, family yeah, exactly. it's like, like taboo in the family yeah. you know it's somebody in the family like even um, like predators or mm-hmm. something that's hey, abused that's in someone fact. in the family that's a fact. it's like you just don't address it no more it's like it need to be addressed right I also think it just a lot of people are scared to be judged yeah. about what it is that they going through or how they're dealing with it. Just being scared of that stops a lot of people from talking about it because if it's like as if if you talk to the wrong person and they say the wrong thing. That'll make you feel else. some type of way and you don't want to talk to nobody else and that could easily set someone off. Mm-hmm. So that, that I think that that definitely plays a big, a big part in it. And Deidre, since you since you just answered, um, let's get into you real quick. Let's let's talk about, you know, your, your journey, what you went through. Um, you know, you can tell the listeners your story. So initially, you know, growing up and as a kid, when I was bullied, talked about stuff that normal kids go through. So about like seventh, eighth grade, um, my mom had me go to a counselor. And that's pretty much how I found out that, you know, when they diagnosed me with it. But my mom, she kind of wanted me to, you know, get on the medication, get the check. But me being me, I'm like, you're on social security. So I don't want that to stop me from being able to do what I have to do as an adult in my near future. So I just told her like, I'm cool. So After that, over the years, even through high school, you know, I just kind of learned to, you know, cope with, you know, just people, you know, talking about you. So that's how I started to become the silly person that I am. So um, after I had my oldest daughter, um, she was maybe two or three. Um, That was my my first suicide attempt. And I had um, overdosed on some ibuprofen and um, I had a large bottle of Moscato. And I think I texted everybody on my phone and told them, like, listen, I love you. I can't do this. I posted on Facebook. I can't do this. I love everybody. And I I think I turned my phone off. My kid's father came in the house and he just like, what the fuck is wrong with you? And he just, you know, shrugged it off. But my best friend, I think my best friend, Anisha, she called um, 911 and got me to the hospital. So luckily for me, I threw up. So they didn't, you know, have to pump my stomach or anything like that. But I stayed on the psych in the psych ward 
I want to say overnight. And just seeing all the people that was there, I'm just like, this ain't, this ain't me. This is not what I, I'm about. And then I just kept thinking about my daughter. Like, I need to get home to her. And it was like, what makes you think that you should be, you know, home with your, with your kid? I'm like, I'm not doing this again. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not doing this again. So um, I can't remember if they released me that night or if they released me that morning or whatever. But from that point is when I kind of just put everything on a back burner. Um, then after that, um, I had my second daughter, my four-year-old, and I went through postpartum. And um, my kid's father, he really didn't do step in to do anything to help me with her. I really could never get anybody to keep both of the kids. So it was just always, I'm not getting any sleep. I'm working crazy hours. I'm tired. I need a break. I couldn't get that break. I broke down so much. And not too long after um, I had her, me and my mom was in a car accident. And that's when I found out my mom had cancer. And that was Mm -hmm. in 2015. My mom died 2017. So between then and now, within the last two years, I'm still battling with it. It's really, really hard. You know, I got my friends, I got the family that I have, but it's only so much everybody can do. And I've been so close to my breaking point again. And I tell people all the time, if it wasn't for my kids, I wouldn't be here. And I mean that. A lot of people don't get that. They really don't. You never know what someone is going through until they tell you. Because most of the time, I'm laughing, I'm joking around, but I'm hurting. I'm really hurt. And everybody always talking about, why don't you go talk to somebody? Why don't you go see a therapist? I don't have that time. The way my work schedule is set up, the way my kids are set up, the way my financial issues are set up, I don't have that type of time to really go see somebody. So I deal with it the way that I, the best way that I can. And it's just through laughter. And even then, sometimes it doesn't help. It doesn't. So are you going to, I think at some point, I think you got to try to find something else, um, you know, what are you talking about? Yeah, 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 you, yeah, you, yeah, you're going to have to find something else. I mean, bro, I can't, you know, I've, I've never lost a parent or anything like that. You know, I can only imagine what that's like. And, you know, I I knew your mom and you know, I knew how, you know, good people she was. But Miss yes. Tana was a great one. Yeah. And I mean, you like you definitely got to find something. other. I mean, granted, don't get me wrong. Laughter is, is incredible. You know, I stand by that. But it's definitely you like you gonna have to find something else. Like, you you know, your, your body will tell you like, all right, like, listen, that laughter ain't enough. I'm shutting down that. Like now you just laying in bed. You don't want to do nothing. You know what I'm saying? Like and uh you know that's 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 one of the hard that's one of the hardest things when you get to that point where your body's just like I'm not trying I'm not trying to do nothing else. And it sounds like her body's already doing that. It sounds yeah. like you are already noticing that 
it's not working for you. And that happens. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you just wear, you know, wear certain coping mechanisms out so that you have to figure out alternative things. And I, I know even from my own personal experience. So they would tell us in school, even though you're a therapist, you might also yourself need a therapist because burnout exists. And I am dealing with that right now. Um, and that's my main excuse is I don't have time. I don't have time. I don't want to pay for it. But then I'm pretty much rejecting what what it is that I'm doing for a living. Right. And so it's finding even if it's just you can only see a therapist twice a month. Can somebody just keep because there are some some therapists who work into the evening hours. So figuring out what therapists there are that are available and how many times a month you can give up. And it might only be bi-weekly for an hour. That's all I got. It can be that small amount of time can help. Yeah. And and your professional opinion, do you think that um that therapy is needed? It's needed to cope with depression? It's not something that you can self I definitely think so. Because one of the um the um symptoms of depression is suicide the thoughts of not wanting to be around and for a lot of people that is the strongest thing you feel I don't want to do this anymore and so and sometimes it gets to the point where you you're right there and you're about to do it and you may not have ever talked to anybody about it but if you have a therapist there more than more than likely you've mentioned that to your therapist if you have that good rapport with your therapist your therapist is at least able to check in with you Hey, have you thought about killing yourself this week? Are you thinking you don't want to be on earth anymore? And so you have that person that's constantly, you know, they're checking in with you. Your friends might not be checking in with you. Your family might not be checking in with you. Your therapist will be as long as they know that that's what you're dealing with. And then they're able to process it with you and figure out, okay, what's going to help you right now? How can we get you to get, get to tomorrow or get through the next two days? So. Um, to rewind a bit, Darrell, did you do therapy? I did therapy that because I was in the same situation Deidre was in. It's like, you know, I don't have time. I don't have the money for it. Um, I did do therapy the first couple times. Um, but every time I would start, I would have to stop. So it didn't really help me out. Um, recently after my attempts, it's the only time I've been able to be consistent with it. Um, and therapy really did help. It 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 really does help. Um, and it's got, actually got to the point where my, my therapist was like, you know, next, the next session is your last one. So it's, it, it does help. And, you know, like, like Megan was saying, like, try your best, do what you can. Like, if, even if it's just once a month, try to, you know, cause like she said, it's a difference between talking to a therapist and talking to your friends. Cause your friends don't know how to really help you maneuver through that stuff, whether they've been through it or not. They don't know how to help you maneuver through that stuff. Therapists are there because that's what they, that's their job. And they can help you with, you know, getting different coping mechanisms. Like for example, there's a coping mechanism that my therapist taught me that helped me out a lot. It's like the, like grounding yourself with the five senses. Like, you know, I do that all the time. And like, it's to the point where I don't even have to like sit there and think about it. I just gradually do it and I'm good. So, like, therapy is definitely, definitely worth it. I think it's, uh, I, was, I think you got to find the right person, too. Uh, I know when I, 
Now, when I got into, when I got into therapy, it was cool for like the first couple of weeks, and then as I went on, I was like, I don't think this. I was like, I don't think me and you clicking. Like, cause I just felt like as much as I was giving him, I felt like he was giving me real generic answers. And I was just like that. Like that answer literally sounds like something out of a textbook. I was like, like that's something not, you might have told you. Know what I'm saying? I was patient. just like, what? Like I was like, I mean, I get what you're saying. I was like, but th- that doesn't really pertain to what I'm going through. And I uh, I stopped going. And it's funny because he he called me a couple weeks ago and was like, you know, are you coming back? And I was like, you know, you know, I think you're a nice guy and all, but I just don't think that you and I are clicking on that level. And you know, he understood. You know, so I'm in the process of finding, you know. Um, finding another therapist, but man, it uh, shit. I'm trying to remember. I know uh, I know part of my. There's one big incident that I like. I actually can't talk about. I can't talk about it on the podcast. But uh, living with Ashley's parents really was a a big issue for me because it was like I wanted to provide for my wife, you know, my wife and my kids, and it was like. You know, living with them, you know, we, I feel like we was, we overstayed, we overstayed our, uh, you know, we, we were there too long. Um, we, you know, we were just on top of each other and it was just like waking up every day and just like the neighborhood we were living in. It was just like, yo, like, I'm just like, I'm, I'm not feeling this at all. Like, I'm just, I'm just not. And uh, we were just always on the go, just on the go, on the go, on the go, on the go, on the go. And I had a million things on my mind and my body was wearing down. Like I was like, my body was telling me like, nah, something ain't right. But I kept going through it. I ain't tell nobody. I kept, you know what I'm saying? I just day to day work, work, the podcast, all of that. I went to a wedding. I went to a wedding with Ashley. And uh I told her, I was like, I said, yo, I'm gonna be back. I gotta go to the restroom. I didn't even go to the restroom. I ended up they had it at like the the art museum or some shit like that. But I ended up sitting in front of this painting and I was crying my eyes out and I had no idea what was wrong. So Ashley ends up finding me and she's like, What's wrong? I was like, bro, I don't know. I was like, I don't know, but I'm freaking the fuck out. So we ended up leaving early. I had a panic attack. I had a panic attack in the car. And that was by far the scariest shit I've ever gone through in my life. Like my chest was tight. I couldn't breathe. Like everything was just spinning around me. And uh, you know, she was trying to get me to calm down. She said, hey, you gotta calm down or I gotta take you to the hospital. And I'm like, yo, I definitely don't want to go to the hospital. So I'm trying to breathe and everything like that. And uh eventually I did get calmed down. I went home. I slept, you know, you know, I slept overnight and I woke the next day and I was like, yeah, I need to go get some help. Like, I need to go get some help. So that's when I that's when I got into therapy. You know, I had I had past issues with. I had past issues with uh, with 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 Ashley and and me being committed and stuff like that. And just all of that shit just built up and it was just like. I ain't I ain't I didn't feel like I was worth it. I ain't feel like I was worth it for for her, for the boys, you know, from my mom and my sister. You know, my mom had lost her mom and her brother. And uh, I was just like, bro, I don't even know, like, what like what good am I being here? Like, I ain't never, like, I, it was never to the point where I tried to take my own life, but I definitely had that question, like, if I didn't wake up tomorrow, like, like, would it be cool? You know what I'm saying? Like, like would, would everything be all right if I just didn't wake up tomorrow, you know? But, um, getting into therapy and then facing it was really the biggest thing for me. I've never been someone to tell people my issues. I've always kept it in, you know, tried to just carry that shit on my back and just try to be there for everybody else. I've always been there for my friends, 
but I ain't never really had nobody be there for me because I wasn't I wasn't looking for the help. You know what I'm saying? And after so People long, people never like, check on the strong friend. That's what I think. Like, but after so long, like I ended up telling Brandon, and you know how Brandon is. Brandon's like, you tell him one thing, and he's freaking the fuck out. So. <laughs> He was texting me like every day on the minute, I feel like. Like, bro, you all right? You all right? You all right? I'm like, yo, I'm good. I'm good. And uh, facing is one of the biggest things. Uh, if you are, you know, friends with me on Facebook or my Instagram, you know, I did a, uh, I did a, uh, I did a little collaboration photo shoot with a good friend of mine, Justin. Uh, shout out to Justin. And, uh, you know, I wrote, I wrote a bunch of things that were troubling me on uh, balloons, uh, one of the biggest things for me was the movie Up. I don't know if y'all seen the movie Up, but but uh, it's a movie based on emotions and depression. She was blue and she was sad as fuck. She was like Eeyore, but like worse. Like Shorty was just like really sad. And I just took it from there. You know, I got a bunch of blue balloons and I wrote everything that was troubling me on these balloons. Um, and I let those balloons go. And for me, that was let, cause I harp, I harp on little things, like little shit that I like, like, all right, I can't control that. But I harp on it. Like, how can I fix it? When in reality, I can't. You just got to go along with it. And that's when I decided to just let everything go and just kind of let everything work itself out. And, uh, and uh, you know, things have been a lot better for me personally. Um, I think one of the biggest issues was um, being with someone while being depressed because they don't know how to handle it because they don't know what's going on. So that caused issues with me and Ashley because one day I'll be fine. You know, hey, babe, miss you, love you, can't wait to see you. But then other days when I get home, I'm like, yo, I don't want to be bothered. Like, and she's just like, I didn't do anything. You know what I'm saying? And I'm like, the, the smallest shit would just set me off. And I'm like, yo, I don't, I don't want to deal with it. Like, I don't want to be bothered. You know what I'm saying? I just want to curl up in a ball. Friends that text me, I'm not texting back. And, uh, you know, that's, that's never, that was never me. Um, but yeah, talking that shit out was the best thing in the world. Now me, you know, I, I'm more so open with Ashley, letting her know, like, yo, this is how I'm feeling today. Um, you know, just give me a hug when you see me, blah, blah, blah. You know, more people are checking up on me now, you know, ever since I put the, you know, the news out there. But, man, you know, to those who are listening, you know, uh, especially black men, like, we got to put our feelings out there. Like, if you going through something, tell somebody. Like I ain't gonna, I'm not gonna call you soft because you because you crying over something, bro. If it, listen, if it's that serious to you, cry the shit out. I, I don't care. I'm not gonna hold that against you. You know what I'm saying? I'm I'm not because this mental shit ain't no joke. Like when you walking around feeling like you worthless, like that's one of the worst feelings in the world. And I don't ever I don't ever want to go back to that. Uh, and I meant to ask I meant to ask y'all that just how y'all do on a day to day basis, like. You know, your road to recovery to, uh, you know, to battle in this, you know, how do y'all feel on a day to day basis? Like, you know, I have good days and bad days, but like, I mean, how, how do y'all feel? Most days for me right now, I feel OK, but it's always that one moment where you get that one thought that'll just take over. And for me, that happens at random. And even when I'm at work, Deanna, she knows me so well, she'll just see it on my face and she'll know something is is, is wrong, like something done clicked. But for the most part, like I, I do pretty, pretty well. But when I start to feel that I'm getting ready to shut down, I'll just call somebody or I'll text somebody or I might just 
get in the shower and just let the water run and play some music and just cry, you know, just to get that out. And so, it, it, I mean, it's, it's, it's day to day. And until I finally, you know, get to talk to somebody at this point right now, it's just like, I'm working on it myself because that's all I know how to do. That's all I was ever taught to do. My mom battled depression. I watched her. And what I'm feeling right now is what she felt. You know, she lost her mom three months before I was born. So I used to always sit there and wonder like, okay, your mom been gone for X amount of years. Like, why are you, you know, just break it down like this? And I understand why now, you know what I'm saying? Because it was like, it never, that pain never goes away losing a parent. My mama, the day that I finally seen her in that casket, the day before her funeral, she had a smile on her face. And at that moment, I knew why. She went the way that she went and she knew what she was going and who she was going to be with. And she finally got what she had been wanting, what she had said she wanted for most of my life, you know? And then my boyfriend, he battles depression. So you got two people in one household who are mentally messed up and me being the strong person that I try to be, that I was raised to be, I try to help him, you know, and I guess you could say it's kind of taking a toll on me even more, you know, but I, 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 I try I try real hard, you know, to, to fight through it the best way that I can. But for the most part, you know, my kids, especially the, my youngest one, she keeps me up. And I really can honestly say without them, I would be no more good. My babies, my babies is what keeps me Sane. They drive me crazy, but they were, they're what keeps me sane. They were, they're the ones that keep me happy. They're the ones that keep my mind right for the most part. Even when they get on my nerves the worst way, I don't care if they had just really just pissed me off. When you get that hug and that kiss and that I love you from your child, it starts to make whatever pain that you're feeling it temporarily go away. So when you get that every day, it kind of, it, it helps a lot. So I don't really necessarily always, like I said, my feelings come through at, a, at the most random time. And it's most of the time when I'm not with them. Gotcha. Um, let me see, Darrell, uh, I mean, how, I mean how, how are you doing day to day? I mean, cause you know, y'all both came from a space where, you know, y'all, you know, y'all didn't want to be here. You know, y'all made attempts and everything like that. So I mean, what's, what's it like day to day for you? Honestly, nowadays it's it's a lot better. Okay. Um, because you know, like Deidre said, like you know, my son is my everything. So, like, just like he does stuff. He's because he's a mini me. He does mm -hmm. stuff. He still he does stuff that makes me mad. But at the same time, I be getting weak. Like, yo, that's my kid. Like, that's my <laughs> son. Like, I love him to death. Like, but you know, honestly, for me, it's been way way better because. What really made it click for me was when I was going like shout out to my therapist, like she pointed something out to me and it made me think this and it helped me out. Like depression 
anxiety, whatever you're dealing with, mental health issues, like whatever you're dealing with, it's a lifelong journey. It's, there is no, there's no cure for depression. And with me having that mentality, it made me realize that, you know, I was trying to separate my depression from who I was. Mm-hmm. And that's why my, my mind, my spirit, my soul, everything was not, you know, in line with each other because I was trying to separate something that was a part of me. And once I accepted that, once I accepted that, you know, depression is a part of me and I'm going to be dealing with this for the rest of my life. I just got to deal with it day to day, you know, and do what I can. That's when things started getting a lot easier for me. So, yes, I have my up and downs. Yes, there are some nights where, you know, I don't want to be with no around nobody. I want to be isolated. I ain't, I ain't talking to nobody. Like, you know, there are some days where, you know, I'm in a good ass mood. Like it, it varies. But, you know, like I said, it's just because I was able to accept that, you know, it's a part of me. It's like those down days don't last as long mm-hmm. and it's easier to pull myself out of them. You know, it's easier for me to focus like, all right, look, you got your son. What else you got to work on? Okay, you're teaching yourself how to, you know, you're teaching yourself programming so you can be a software engineer. You're doing this, that, and the third. Like, you know, you got stuff going for you. Like, you're good, all right? Like, you can go ahead and cry it out right now, but get back on track, you know? And like you said, like, you know, being a black man is like, you know, we seen it soft if we show our emotions. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for the longest time, I was scared to show my emotions too. So, like, but like, I felt like I needed to, especially on my birthday. On my birthday, when I, because I just turned 30 this year, on my birthday, I made a post about what, like, what happened. And, you know, that was very, very liberating for me. Mm-hmm. Like, just sharing that, like, you know, just let everybody know, like, yo, I'm fucked up over here, but I'm good at the same time. Right. So it's like, you know, and, like I said, it's just, you know, just taking everything a day at a time. Like, you know, things are going to be hard. You're going to have your rough days. You're going to have your terrible days. You're going to have your good days. But at the end of the day, you just got to get through the day. And you never know, uh, you never know who that helps. Like, you know, you put that out there. Like, you know, even though somebody may not say anything to you, that could be helping somebody. You don't even know it. I actually had a few people reach out to me and tell me that helped them. Yeah. Like, and like, you know, that that made me feel a lot better because I even told them, like, look, if, if I just help one person, that's all that matters to right. me. Like, cause right. you, like you said, you don't never know who's going through the same shit and what, you know, sharing your experience can help somebody else out and right. get them out of their little funk. Like, right. okay, so I'm not alone. And uh, you know, cause like you said, I never want anybody to feel alone like I did. Cause I felt isolated up there. Like I said, so it's like, you know, people can reach out to me, talk to me anytime they want. Like, you know, and I'm a, you know, I'm gonna be there for you. Cause I know how it feels. So. But yeah, like you never know who you can touch. So that's why I was like, I'm more open about my stuff. And that's why I reached out to Deanna in the first place. Like, I was like, I got, I feel like this is something that, you know, could be shared. And then when she told me like, she wanted to come on the show, so I was like, boom. Right. Like, you know, right. like, Perfect. right. Like, you know, it's just like more people just being open about what they're going through. And I think that's what we need, especially in the black community. Mm-hmm. Like we need more people to be open. We need more, you know, people to understand, like, you know, not everybody is good. And also the other people who are pretending to be good, you don't have to pretend anymore. Mm-hmm. It's okay. Like you're good. Like it's okay. You're not. You're not abnormal. You're not different. You're just. You're just you. And this. These are the cards you're dealt. And there are other people that can help you get through that. You know, through this. The hand that you got. Before Before I get into Chris, I do want to say I remember one thing that that uh one thing that gave me that kind of almost derailed me. At one point, uh, is what you see online, like what you see on social media, uh, 
when the unfortunate death of Nipsey Hussle happened, there was a video released of him laying on the ground. And I was like triggered by that. I was I was like, for one, why did that have to be recorded? Like, I don't know who that person was that recorded it, but if you're listening, uh, <laughs> you are a fucking weirdo. Like that, like there's like that doesn't help the case. It's not like you recorded the entire event and caught what happened. No, you recorded literally like just him laying there, him laying there lifeless. And then when Lauren got to the hospital, there was somebody in there recording her when she ran into the hospital. And they're like whispering, like, oh, that's Lauren London. She came to see Nipsey. Like, I don't know what the fuck is wrong with people, but like that shit's weird. Like, that's that's not okay. Like, that's uh, I think that's that's pretty triggering for a lot of people, especially, you know, you you turn on the TV and you see, you know, another another unarmed black man has been, you know, gunned down by police, or you know, you know, a black male's killed another black man, whatever it is, like recording shit like this, it's just it's just weird, it's nasty, like. People really got to put their phones down and stop with that because I had a big issue with that, you know, on my road to, you know, being better. It was just like, like, that was just weird. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I felt bad for myself because I, because me clicking on a video and sitting there and looking, but that let me know, like, okay, like, you need to filter out what you can and cannot see via social media. You know, if a video pops up, keep scrolling, try to ignore it, you know, get it off your timeline the best way that you can. But uh, yeah, people, people got to stop that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, you know, that man had a family. You know, he had Lauren, his kids, and everything like that. And it was like, you decided to pull out your phone and record this man laying there. Like, that was just weird to me. Like, yeah, social, you know? social media has definitely played a very major role in a lot of bullshit for people mm-hmm. in this day, this era. You know, you know, when we was growing up, we didn't have all that. Now we just had MySpace and Urban Chat. I mean, and Black Planet. That was hey. that was about it. But we were older. But like right. for these kids now that have access to that, like, and my daughter, she she gets upset because she's always like, "Can I download TikTok? And can I download this?" Like, no, you can't because when I'm sitting on Facebook and Instagram and I'm seeing these other parents post that they kids is on these little kitty social media sites that's just a kid version of Facebook and Instagram and they're talking about they arguing with the next little kid like and they fighting and all that I'm just like you're my child ain't gonna be doing all of that I, I just can't I want you to still be a kid and social media exposes so much and even with some of these 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 suicide like the suicide challenge like shit like that that bothers me as a person as a parent is just I I could not I can't I really I don't I don't think that a lot of kids should have been exposed to to social media so early on and even us as adults we feed into it without even realizing what bad we may be doing you know laughing at stuff that shouldn't be laughed at or even sharing something that we should really know we shouldn't even be sharing because what we may think is funny is hurting somebody else, you know? And I just, I, that, that's one thing that I feel like people need to definitely work on as a society. I mean, it may never happen, but that's just my opinion. It's because we become desensitized to everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, yeah, we, we, we definitely, definitely <laughs> numb to it. Yeah, it's like, oh. Yeah, you, watch a, you watch a video of somebody being shot and you just like, 
Right. Well, pretty much. Well, like, you know, like, like, damn. Like, uh, something's wrong. Like, you really just watch that make it break. You're just like, well. And then, right. And then you're on social media, like, from the start of the day to the end of the day. And I was, like, doing research for this episode. And, like, sleep hygiene was one of the things they said could play into, like, anxiety or depression. And they were saying, like, when you get in your bed, you should not be on your phone. Like, your bed should be for you to sleep or, you know, be intimate with your partner. But your your phone shouldn't even be, Near like, you shouldn't you. be on social media. They also, uh, I read an article, like, two years ago. They suggested your phone should be a certain amount of feet away from you as well. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, I, I think it's got something to do with just, like, signals and everything like that. Yeah. It messes with your sleep pattern. So they say like your phone should be across the room. And I tested that and I did realize that I do sleep, did you better, sleep better when my phone is across the room. Now, granted, you know, I do I keep it near me just because I'm lazy and when my alarm go off, I don't want to have to get up and <laughs> I'd rather just turn it off right there. But then that's how I hit snooze and I make the phone late to work. But uh I did test that theory out. You know, I uh, you know, I plug my phone up, you know, I charge it, you know, with my PlayStation or whatever and go lay down. I slept a hundred times better that way. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, if you're curious about it, I think you should try it and just see, you know, give yourself a week, you know, of just plugging your phone up across the room, go to sleep and just see how it compares to when you have it right into right your nightstand or right. you fall asleep and it's right on your pillow or something like that. I personally think it's a difference, but that's just me. Um, but you mentioned lack of sleep. I think that's a perfect segue into Chris. Personally. Yeah. Um, I think that's a really good segue. Let's but, see. It says good seconds, sleep hygiene could be key to improving the quality and quantity of your sleep. And to touch on the cell phone thing, mm-hmm. it says turn off electronics at least an hour before you go to bed. Maybe use a dim light if you want to read a book. It off. I'm not turning mine off okay, either. Right, but cool. I'm, right, I mean, cool. maybe like lock it and put it away. All right, <laughs> or even just having an alarm. Yeah. So sometimes yeah. I set an alarm that says. Mm-hmm. This is what needs to be done at this moment. Yeah. Right. Setting an alarm and saying, okay, phone time is over. Right. right. Sit, sit it off to the side. Yeah. yeah. So it said only use your bed for sleep and sexual activities. Doing work in bed can, uh, or even in your room, can associate bed with stress rather than relaxation. Okay. Now, Chris, we got to get into you. Wait, I'll tell wait, you. Wait, wait, before we get into you, anybody want this road, though? I was so proud of how mature this podcast is. And Darrell just made this podcast black as shit. Darrell is a king. You remember in, in the brothers when they said if like a man let you have the last piece of chicken, like no, that, mean? that means he really loves you. I'm just saying. If he Ashley, lets you I have some bad Ashley, you are not allowed to have the last chicken wing. If I'm high, you definitely not getting the last chicken wing. <laughs> oh, no, yeah, it's a, it's a wrap. Uh, she going to get the last chicken that. wing. I don't I know what you mean. I'm smoking the Coke with, but... Smoking the Coke? Coke. <laughs> what? Smoking Coke? To Coke. To Coke. Oh. Listen, I heard Coke. So, Is that what you're doing? Shit. Yeah, all right. right. You're the only person that heard Coke. That, right. Bro, Coke, Coke, I mean... <laughs> Yeah, well, okay. Well, 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 it's hot in here. I'm gonna let it slide for like 10 know. minutes though, like, but Coke though, like. <laughs> Damn, Tyler. Like, right. You know, okay. no, you thought it. She said Coke. Hey. You thought Coke. Coke. Nah, she said it. 
<laughs> he, he's talking about Coca-Cola, y'all. <laughs> Let's get into Chris. Uh, yeah, Chris, man, with your, with, with your profession, man, you get a, you barely get any sleep, man. So. Y'all, sometimes he go days and get like two yeah, hours. I, like, I would just like to comment on the sleep hygiene thing first. I'll tell you what. Go 72 hours staying awake and you're going to sleep great regardless if your phone's right next to you. Chris okay. falling asleep while recording our podcast. Oh, wow. I've taken a picture of Chris sleep while taking our while recording our podcast. That's my guy, but yeah. Do I you mean, have this picture available? This uh, isn't the only podcast I've done it for. I don't, I don't know. I still might have a picture. I don't yeah, know. And then you know what? Just the same. Sometimes you might feel like, "Well, I'm young. I'm trying to grind. You know, whatever." But mm-hmm. sleep is very important. Mm-hmm. So where 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 does uh where does therapy start for you, man? So I didn't actually go to therapy until. Uh, so I have I have a very weird past a lot of shit has i'm not gonna get into a whole lot of details but uh so i've been suffering with depression and bipolar disorder for as long as i can remember uh i didn't know i had bipolar disorder until a year ago uh i've always known i've had depression you know uh i just i picked up on that pretty quick just you know being so unmotivated and just you know sad all the time never wanting to do anything you know uh i was a very I didn't have friends growing up or anything, you know, I, I was just always very to myself. Uh, I'd spend a lot of time just sleeping, you know, so I just picked up on it very quick that I was depressed. Um, for a long time, I believed, I, I kept telling myself that it was, it was my fault. Like I was depressed because of something that I did. And that I think is very unhealthy. You know, it took me a very long time to realize that, like you were saying, it's, it's just who you are. It's a part of you and you have to accept that. Uh, so for a long time, I, I just beat myself up trying to figure out like, what is the root to my depression? You know, how can I cure my depression? And it's, you know, that's not something that you can really do. It's more of a learning how to, to live with it and, and continue to live, you know, without letting it control you. Uh, but so I uh, I tried to self-diagnose for a long time. I started with weed, you know, uh, like I'm sure probably 90% of people who have depression have tried. Uh, and you know, it, it does help, but it, it escalated very quickly for me. I ended up getting addicted to, to pills. Uh, I have many suicide attempts that I've tried in many different ways. Uh, ultimately one of my suicide attempts that I'm not really going to get into. It's the reason things kind of clicked in my head. Uh, it just, it, it showed me that I'm here for a reason. And, you know, ever, it was my very last suicide attempt. Uh, you know, it, it literally just clicked for me. Like I'm here for a reason. There's what happens. Isn't just coincidence, you know, things happen for a reason. And it kind of changed my perspective on life a little bit. Uh, but yeah, so I, for a long time, I was addicted to drugs. Uh, actually the tattoo on my arm is, uh, to remind me I'm 100% sober. Now the tattoo on my arm is to remind me, you know, that I don't need drugs to deal with my depression, you know? Uh, yeah, it looks cool. And a lot of people don't see that they're just, they just see a cool tattoo. But like, for me, it has a lot of meaning. Uh, so I didn't, I didn't start therapy until, about a year ago. And really the only reason I started was because I was forced to take therapy. You know, I, so I've got, uh, I have a criminal record, you know, I am a felon. And because of that, 
they, uh, you know, when I got arrested and, you know, convicted of my felonies and everything, they, they've basically forced me to do drug therapy because, you know, it was for drugs. And while I was in drug therapy, uh, my therapist, you know, we were talking and she kind of it got out that I am depressed. So she had me, you know, get diagnosed there. And that's when I found out I was bipolar as well. And, you know, I for a long time in therapy, I fought it. I hated the idea of a therapist because I just uh, I was a very strong believer that I don't need anybody's help. You know, growing up, I didn't really have the help from anybody. And I was, you know, I definitely didn't cope with things in a good way, but I was still able to get through it. You know, I didn't, I didn't need that help. Uh, I didn't want to put that on anybody else. You know, my family is very supportive. Shout out my family. They're amazing, but they didn't know. They still don't really know a lot of the shit that I go through because Again, you know, I didn't want to put that on somebody else. It was my burden to carry, not other people's. So like with therapy, I didn't want to put that on somebody else, even if they are being paid to do it, you know. And that was another thing that kind of went into my whole thought process about therapy is I'm literally paying you to do this. Like, how much do you really care? It was so there was just there was a lot going into just I, I, my, my idea of therapy that was very unhealthy. Uh but it, it took me a while to finally accept that, you know, therapy is good. It is beneficial as long as you find like what Tyler was saying, you have to find the right therapist. I went through a lot of therapists that were not good for me. Uh, so because of my past with, you know, addiction and pills and everything, I refused to take medication for my depression. One, because I had I've already been addicted to something in my life. You know, I, I had something controlling me that I don't ever want to feel that again. Uh, and two, because I don't want to, I don't want depression to control me in the way that I need a pill to keep it under control. Cause if I don't have that medication for whatever reason, I don't want that depression to take back over. So I'd rather find a healthy, natural way to deal with it and just cope with it, you know, find coping mechanisms and ways, you know, to around it, you know, uh, healthier, ways to do it myself and that's where i think therapy is the biggest help you know my therapist when i finally did find a good therapist who wasn't every five minutes trying to oh you should take pills oh you should take medication oh you should you know have you thought about pills like i i don't want to do that and they just wouldn't take that for an answer when i finally found a therapist that worked for me you know that's that's what she helped me do was find those coping mechanisms. And honestly, the biggest thing that I think she helped me with is just recognizing the signs of, you know, my mental health, uh, being bipolar and, de uh, having depression is it's a whole new roller coaster. You know, it's not just depression, you know, with bipolar, it's like a roller coaster. So sometimes I won't even be depressed. I'll have a week where I'm not depressed at all. I just feel like I'm on top of the world. I can do whatever the fuck I want to do. You know, I feel invincible. And then out of nowhere, I'll wake up the next morning and I will be at the bottom. So going from the highest I've ever been to the lowest low, it exaggerates it so much. And, you know, it, it makes it even harder to deal with. So she helped me recognize, you know, be able to 
be cognitive of the signs, you know, where I'm at, when I'm at my high peaks to know, okay, I'm at a high peak. So I know a low is coming and I can prepare for it. Uh, instead of just like, Oh, this feels amazing. You know, I'm, I'm not depressed anymore. And then boom, as low as I can, can possibly get, you know, I, I can prepare for that. And, uh, so that's where therapy helped me the most, you know, being able to, to recognize that, uh, but yeah, I mean, that's, it's kind of my story. I think honestly, everyone has their own coping mechanisms and you just have to find that. So, uh, and you have to, you have to make time for yourself as well. I'm a very, very busy person. You know, I, like they were saying, I don't sleep, but I still make time to make sure my he- mental health is in check. You know, I'm doing way better now than I was in the past. You know, I'm 100% sober. I don't have suicidal thoughts anymore. You know, for, for the most part, I'm a happy individual and I'm finally living, you know, a, a healthy life that I can be proud of instead of just like trying to hide my depression. You know, I'm not super open about it, but when people ask, you know, I'm not, it's not uncomfortable for me to talk about. Uh, so, you know, I make time, I, I do yoga every week, which going along with your it, grounding yourself. It's very important. You know, I, I take time just to meditate. Uh, you know, I music, my occupation is a huge coping mechanism for me. You know, you, you have to find those things that, that get you through, you know, I think that's healthy the ways. most important part. Healthy ways, healthy ways. Yes. Healthy ways. That's <laughs> very, healthy key. Ways. very key. Very <laughs> key. But yeah, so. Yeah, I, uh, I, uh, I agree about, uh, you know, coping mechanisms that are positive. Cause I mean, like this, this podcast is like, is like my baby. Like I take this, you know, like this helps me so much. And, you know, I appreciate Deanna coming along. And, you know, when Lexi was here, it was great. Like I, there's days where I was like, I feel like absolute shit. And then I come in here and it's go time, you know, to talk on a microphone. And it's like, I forget everything else. You know what I mean? And, when people come to me and, you know, they're like, oh, you know, if you listen to the podcast, the podcast is great. You know, you and Deanna are great. And, you know, that's one of the best things in the world. Um, you know, I definitely think people need to find like, you know, a hobby, you know, something, something to do, you know, whether, you know, it may cost money, it may be free. I don't know. But, you know, you definitely need to find something, um, you know, to where it, you know, it helps take your mind off things. And I wanted to ask Megan, um, do you feel a sense of anxiety and depression with, the with your uh your career field i mean Um, mean, you're helping people all the time who are mm -hmm. literally just like you know i'm going through this i'm going through that you got to take like you got you're basically taking that home with you you know what i'm saying like you hop in the car you sit in traffic and you're thinking about the 16 year old kid who feels like you know they're useless you know Mm -hmm. what i mean yeah so i mean i struggle with my own um mental health issues. I've not been diagnosed with anything. Um, But like I said, just being in this field, I'm in the process of, okay, Megan, you are a therapist. You need a therapist too. Um, Because I lost my mom. So I was in school with you guys when that happened. Um, So I've been dealing with, you know, you live one day at a time with that type of experience. And I've been dealing with that since I was 15. But I do have some days where I take it home with me. I mean, I'm human. I'm a therapist, but I'm human. And I'm an empath. I feel things like I connect with people's emotions. 
oh my gosh, you're crying. Why are you crying? Like, what's going on? How are you feeling right now? That is just who I am as a person. And that's part of the reason why I got into this field. Not only just, you know, growing up in a household with a social worker, but being the person who I am where I want to be able to help people. And so, yes, I take things home, especially dealing with a lot of kids. It's hard not to feel, you know, that empathy for these kids and feel as though, oh my, I, I just want to be able to pick them up and take them out of this situation or remove that emotion from them because they're too young. Right. Uh, so what, how do you know if you're just sad? Like, like, oh, you'll know. First is sad or being depressed. You will know. Yeah. So <laughs> one of the, um, under the criteria for, for depression, you'll know, people will notice that you're a different type of person because we we have our normal behaviors and then we have those behaviors that just aren't us. Right. So some people might notice, I mean, she's typically, you know, running around the house or getting out of the house and then all of a sudden all she can do is be in the bed all day. Right. She doesn't want anybody to talk to her. Mm-hmm. So you'll notice it's going to be a significant change in your emotion. Okay. I mean, I I feel like at the the end part of last year, I felt like I was really sad for, I would say it's probably for was about a month, but I felt like it was easy for me once I, once I figured out what I felt like the problem was to just come out of it. Mm -hmm. So I didn't feel like I was depressed, but I did feel really sad. And it's crazy because as Deirdre said, me and her work together. I felt like I came to work every day and nobody noticed because I'm just the type of person that I just want to go through something by myself. I don't want to tell people about it, which is not healthy, but I feel like I have to work through my emotions by myself before I bring other people in on it because I don't want my decisions to be um, to be influenced by other people's words. I want to make decisions based off what I feel. Which is not healthy, but I was just wondering, like, how would you know if you just say it because you're going through a situation or if you're depressed? You might notice that it's not just, okay, I'm just sad in this moment, but it's for an extended amount of time. Right. Or I'm happy today, but I'm sad tomorrow. I'm happy today, but I'm sad tomorrow. Or I'm sad for this whole entire week. Okay. Right what's been going on but you'll notice yeah you'll like notice postpartum i think that's something that we don't talk about enough either because i do feel like i was i was kind of sad when i first had my baby not like and people think like you like you just had a baby you're supposed to be happy and mm-hmm. no like sometimes you just feel sad because you don't have no time to yourself mm-hmm. with a newborn like you really don't and people think you're supposed to want to be with your baby mm-hmm. all the time. And it's crazy, like, because you partly want to because you're like, you you scared to hand your baby off to somebody else. But at the same time, you're like, man, I need some time to myself. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's such a, a battle, like yeah. a mental battle to fight. Yeah. Or you're scared to even be with your baby because you don't know what's going to happen in that moment. Yeah. Like, yeah, I definitely had some times with my youngest baby, like, where I was just... it. it, it I would be so tired and I would feel like I'm so overwhelmed. Like I done had to call people a few times, like come get these kids or even with my mom, like I'm bringing her downstairs. Can y'all keep them? Whatever. Just come get these kids because I was so frustrated and upset and just like, it was so many emotions. I'm like, 
I'm going to end up unintentionally hurting one of them. Mm-hmm. Come get them, yeah. you know? And and it, and it just it be like that sometimes, and and that's the one thing a lot of people don't understand. As a mother, especially these some of these men, like as a mother, we go through Mom's and feel to so be much, all yeah. The time. And they that's that's okay. what people really that's don't understand. They do. Like they feel like we got to be strong one hundred percent of the time, and like so there's that strong yeah. black woman, yeah, yeah. And yes. strong black man, yeah. yeah. So it's, it's I mean it goes both ways, but. Even just just the feeling of sadness, it goes beyond that. Yeah. It's changes in your eating. It's what other people are noticing about right. you. It's changing changes in your weight. You, I mean, I'm, I'm not walking on the treadmill. I'm not running up and down any stairs. Why am I losing weight or why am I gaining weight so so fast? Mm-hmm. Um, the suicide, suicidal ideations, or even attempts that people have. So it goes beyond just feeling sad. It's you know feeling like you're just kind of slow motion moving. I just, it's like Eeyore. What's going on? And that was a big sign for me was my appetite. Like when I noticed that, like there were times where I would go days without eating mm-hmm. and I didn't even be hungry. And yep. like, I wouldn't notice at all. And then like, oh shit, I haven't eaten in the past three days. Let me try to eat something. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's just small little stuff like that. I know, and I know I was reading, I was reading this, um, that uh, specifically for men, it's like, you know, we get more aggressive and more irritable. And, you know, that's, Again, since we can't show our emotions, it's like, you know. And then you lash out. Yeah. And you lash out on the closest person to you. Exactly. You know, because like I said, my boyfriend, he bipolar, suffers depression, and PTSD. And most of the time, when he gets really upset, I try to just go ahead and just leave from the area that we're both in because most of the time I'm the closest person to him. Mm. So when you get so much, you feel so much anger, just all these different emotions and whoever is close to you, they could probably possibly, like I said earlier, say something that you don't like and they feel like, what did I say wrong? And then boom, there's an explosion. Mm -hmm. So it's definitely, you got to be careful especially when like dealing with a, a man that goes through mental health because anything can happen and they really honestly don't mean to particularly hurt you or whoever it is that they're around at that moment when they break down because <laughs> they are scared to, you know, just like show the the particular emotion that they really need to show, like cry for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Have y'all talked about it? What? You and him? Have y'all talked about it? Considering it's a considering it's a household where two people are both going through something, like it's it's a different uh it's a different aspect. Like with me and Ashley, like Ashley wasn't like really going through anything where I was and she was trying to figure out like, okay, like what's wrong? How can trying I know? To understand you know what I'm saying? It. She's trying to understand. So like have y'all sat down and talked about like, look, this is what I'm going through. You're going through something. Let's put this out on the table and see and see, you know, what we can find. Because he'll never know Mm-mm. unless you're open to talking to him about how you how you observe things. Like yeah. it, we have to be honest with other people in order for them to sometimes see what it is that we're seeing. Right. Mm, I mean, it's been on my mind, but we just haven't gotten around to it because 
It's just one of, it's a very sensitive topic. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, so it's, 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 I've been wanting to sit him down, but when I'm moving like around a lot and he moving a lot, I don't think so. I don't think, not necessarily. I don't think he would. Because, I mean, I've had to talk to him about things a few times, you know, where he would sit down and he would listen. Mm-hmm. So I don't think he would be resistant to it. It's just like, when you're we, we moving around a lot we really barely even see each other for real so yeah. it's it hard to kind of I gotta set aside that block of time yeah and it sounds like it's also some hesitation there yeah. not not wanting to rock the boat yeah because you don't know what's going to happen because mm-hmm. talking right. about somebody's mental health is a sensitive topic yeah and so that's again where that therapy piece can be helpful because you have that unbiased person who's kind of listening and might be willing to kind of help put things into perspective if you're not com- comfortable doing it on your own. Yeah. Man, uh, how long how long have you been in your field of work? About three years now. Okay. Yeah. Okay. How, do you feel like with um, with the children, um, your clients, how receptive do you think their parents are? To Ooh, do you think they're question. in denial or? It really just depends. Yeah. Like some people don't want to say it's mental health. Yeah, they like nothing's wrong with my kid. Yeah, yeah. I like this is just my kid being a kid, yeah. or you know, just being a teenager, and nothing's really wrong with it. You do have some parents who might be dealing with their own mental health stuff, so they so they know. Right. I I think that my child might have something going on, and right. those those parents are more receptive. Whereas you do have some parents that are. Defensive and not accepting. I think that's how it was with me and my mom on how I found out that I was battling depression so early on because my mom was already going through it. So it was kind of easy for her to see that something was wrong and instantly put me in counseling, therapy, whatever it is that you want to call it. So it and as I when I was younger, it helped. It's just as an adult, I haven't been back, you know, but. Yeah, definitely when you have a parent who is very understanding and has already been through it or is currently going through it, it's easier to accept that something is going on with your child. That's why with me, like when I see something wrong with my oldest daughter, I'm like, what's wrong? Like, don't feel like you can't come talk to me. And my baby is nine years old. She's already written a suicide letter. So... And that's the best thing is just to normalize it. Mm-hmm. If that, if I can't offer anybody advice, is normalize that emotion. Yeah, it's okay not to be okay. Mm-hmm. But know that I'm here. If you ever want to talk about it, I think that's the best way to approach her. And I definitely mm-hmm. told her, you know, because she took a picture of it and texted it to my phone, and I'm like, and I was at work, and I'm like. I'm going to talk to you when I get home. And I sat her down and I'm like, what's wrong? Like, And I told her, I said, don't be afraid to come talk to me about anything. And, you know, I'm very, I'm hard on her, but, and, you know, that's just the parent in me. Mm-hmm. But I try to be, I guess you would say, sensitive to her. Mm-hmm. As well keep to try to keep her from communication. yeah, because I don't because as when I was growing up I was I was scared to talk to my mama about stuff sometimes it wasn't until 
I even had my oldest daughter that I was able to finally sit down and be able to talk to my mom mm. about the different stuff that I was going through. I couldn't do that as a kid because she was so strict and so hard. She never let me really go outside. And when she did, don't leave out the gate or don't go no further than the front porch. You know, it was just like it was like that. And me going through that, I refused to put my kids through, through that. Yeah. You know, I don't want to be a loose parent, but I don't want to be too hard to where you just start popping off and doing and saying and thinking and feeling whatever, yeah. you know. Yeah. And a lot you don't of parents, want to be her trigger. Exactly. Um, we don't have a lot of time left, but I did want to, I read an article about how um, the depression or anxiety could affect your relationships with the people around you and how once you um, learn to cope with it and just figure out what you're going through, it can improve those relationships because now instead of your friends thinking, oh, you're just flaking on me, you don't want to talk. Like they understand like, hey, I'm having a day. I don't really want to talk to people. Do you feel like it improved your relationships with people or or do you feel like some people it may not have because they might be judgmental or... For me? Well, for, well, for me, one relationship in particular it put a, a, a wedge through it. And, you know, um, my relationship with you, you know, and plus we work together. So I feel like our relationship has gotten a lot stronger. My um, relationship with Portia, you know, um, we're a lot closer than what we used to be. And she's helped me through a, through, through a lot of stuff as well, you know. So um, even with my dad, our relationship was was rocky at one point. You know, especially at the time of my mom's death, um, we didn't talk. And I, I mean, we fell out, hmm, I want to say almost a year ago. And I finally came to that point where, like, I only got one parent. I can't not be talking to him. So, you know, we finally got to sit down and really come to. So, I mean, I just think it depends on the person themselves. I feel like if you have a, just, a judgmental person in your life that you you know thought you had a good relationship with you realize that when you try to talk to them and they get to saying things that you you just like this isn't something that I need to be hearing right now even if you feel like even if they feel like that's tough love sometimes that's not always what's good for a person who goes through what we go through and it kind of pushes you away you know, versus talking to someone who's open to listening to you or feels like they could possibly give good advice, then, you know, it can make that better. Because sometimes even somebody who I don't necessarily need advice from someone, I just need you to listen or just let me come over and just sit there and cry. Don't even say nothing. Just let me cry. If you have a judgmental person, it's impossible to do that. Because it's sometimes impossible to do that with people who are who you have a personal relationship with because yeah. we don't know how to be unbiased yeah. Yeah. when it comes to family members, friends. Yeah. And the, the thing about therapy is you can have that unbiased person. You can, Our job is not to sit and be an expert yeah. or to give you, okay, I think you need to do this. No, sometimes it might be pointing out that you already have the tools to make things work mm-hmm. or making maybe small suggestions, but... You're not dealing with someone that's just, I know everything. I'm an expert and this is what I'm going to tell you to do. I'm going to help you to figure out how you can improve your life because it's your life. Right. 
It makes sense. Makes a lot of sense. Are we still talking about that same question? Or, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, anybody okay. just well, offered um, the answer. It was, I, it was kind of a relief for my friends. It was like, well, shit. Like now we know something's going on. Like right. you know, what I'm saying, like I'm glad I know what it is. Like, uh, like I said, Brandon's probably the most paranoid when it comes to me. You know, just constantly checking up on me and everything like that. So, you know, me him and me him and Chris, we were kicking it like every Friday. Um, you know, that, that turned into a thing where we would just kick it and and talk and things like that. But uh, Chris is moving back to Chicago now, but um, I ain't really, I had one issue with a friend, but it was, it had nothing to do with the depression, but knowing that I was trying to fight through that when we had our now, like I just let it go. It's like, all right, so like he do his thing, I do mine. Like we're like, we're no longer friends. And right. I feel like it was, it was just easy for me to do that. You feel you know like you need to focus on coping with your depression yeah, rather I mean, than like. And it was, and it was kind of shitty because we've been friends for like 20 plus years, but it was just like, I'm not about to, I'm not about to kill myself trying to fix this shit. I'm not, I'm not. Cause if you're not as interested as I am, I'm not about to go to the end of the world and back trying to fix this. And you not, you ain't trying to get up off the couch. Like, right. nah, nope, you do your thing, I do mine. So, you know, it is what it is. Um, but yeah, I mean, everybody on my end, you know, they've been really, really good about it. And, you know, text me and let me know that, you know, it's all right. They believe in me and everything like that. So, um, yeah, I haven't really had too many, too many issues with it. Yeah, I try to text you and check up on you, but I know I fall short sometimes. Yeah, you make shit. <laughs> Gee, thanks. In my experience, I think toxic people are toxic people, period. Fact. There's nothing you can do about that. Uh, but for me, I know... I had, uh, you know, anger was a huge part of my depression, you know, uh, growing up and that fucked up a lot of my relationships. And once I was aware and able to cope better, it did improve a lot of my relationships because, you know, I'm not lashing out at people anymore. I'm not, you know, I'm way more patient now than I was before. I'm way more understanding now. It's not this constant thing just badgering at me, you know, I, I'm in control of it now. So now I can be in control of, I mean, not in control of my emotions, but understand them and know what's going on so I can react better. So I think that has helped my relationships a lot. For me, it just made me realize who's real, who's not plain and simple. Like, that's mm-hmm. like I realized who actually got my back. Like I said, once again, shout out to Taylor Fowler. I hope she hears this. Shout out to her. I love her to death. Like like I said, she's all the way out in LA and called the boys on me. All, like, all the way out in LA and did that shit. So, like I said, I know I know who got me. I don't know who don't. And the people who I don't, I don't fuck with. Right. Point yeah. blank. It's that simple. Yeah. Um, so, uh, let me see. Before we wrap this up, because we got two minutes, um, I want to have everybody... Uh, plug their social media handles, you know, whatever whatever they need to promote. Um, let's start with Megan. Megan, is there anything that you want to promote, you want to put out there, anything like that? As far as... I mean, just anything, <laughs> anything. Listen, you can say, look, tell people, follow your Instagram, I don't care, whatever it is. Or just one last one. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's whatever. You know, um, if, if people want to get in contact with you, you know, for your service, what, you know, whatever, it don't, it don't matter. I don't mind just being that person that you just inbox sometimes if you need to. And I point you in the direction it might, it might not be me, especially if I'm 
you know, if it's somebody I know, it's unethical for me to work with you. So, <laughs> um, but I am on um, Facebook under my name. So if anybody, Megan Parker, anybody wants to inbox me and just kind of get more information about therapy and how to connect with someone, um, definitely reach out to me. I would also tell people to reach out to like your insurance. If you have insurance, a lot of people don't understand if you have Medicaid, a lot of times they'll cover the full service for and mental health. And a lot of employers have EAP. Yeah. Way. Yeah. And then reaching reaching out to your insurance people um, and then connecting on the internet with people. So I came across um, a page. Um, what is it? I, I, I would have to think about it. So just connect with me on Facebook, Megan Parker, and I would be willing to help people to connect with mental health services if needed. All right. DJ, what you want to plug? Just want to say, check on your friends, especially the strong friends, the ones who laugh and joke around all the time and don't show too much emotion. Check on them because nine times out of 10, there is something that they may be going through that they just ain't, they, they don't know how to talk to you about it. Daryl, what you got to plug? Uh, I ain't got nothing to plug. Um, because first off, not gonna lie, low key antisocial, low key extroverted. I don't know. I'm confused about my life sometimes. Extroverted, <laughs> <laughs> nothing wrong with it. I'm just saying because, like, I mean, you can, you can, you know, if you. But on a serious note, like, um, if there is anyone out there, like, I don't care whether I've known you for two minutes or I've known you for twenty years, like, you can reach out to me. Like I said, because I, I know what it feels like to be alone and isolated. So I never want anybody to feel that feeling. So my IG is Scott E underscore wing. Um, if you can't find me, because I think my shit private, but Facebook, you ain't gonna be able to find me unless you're friends with somebody I'm friends with. So his Instagram will be in the episode description. There you go. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> Other than that, just stay Gucci bandana, raise a million. That's all. Deanna, what you got? Um, as always, follow me on Instagram. Um you can follow me on Twitter if you want, but I don't post. And also, if anybody else has ideas for like topics that they feel the need to discuss, reach out to myself or Tyler. You know, we always open to, you know, new topics, things that may or may not help people. So pretty much that's all I got to say. Okay, well, I got plenty of shit to plug. All right. <laughs> so uh, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Tyler. Uh, once again, at Stop Roll Tyler on Instagram and Twitter. You can follow the uh, podcast Instagram yeah, page, podcast. Table for Three Pod. Uh, please follow us on that. Uh, the good guys over at Donuts and Alcohol, they're having a live podcast July 11th. Shout out to Gravel and Tatum. Uh, I'll be there. It's at Top Cats. Come through us on a Thursday. Just suck it up. You're going to be there. Okay, cool. Table <laughs> for Three will be there. We'll be in attendance. And uh, if you need your makeup done, uh, Maria got you that Arabian girl, that Arabian chick, that Arabian girl. I don't know. Either way, her Instagram will be in the description. And she uh, she actually did Ashley's cousin's makeup. So, oh, yes, I've seen that. It looked really, it looked really nice. Really yes, so, uh, yeah. because she found her through Instagram because of Table for Three podcast. Hey, hey, Chris, what you got to plug, bro? Uh, same shit. Come record with me at Thomas. Yeah, so he can get, so he can put another emerald in his nose. And his watch is just ridiculous. <laughs> Diamond, whatever, whatever. You it do is. get it up on his lap, though, like. Uh, <laughs> so we can get out of here because we're, we're we're over our limit. Do you have a do you have a quote? Have a quote? Um, I do have a quote. Hold on, let me go to the quote. I have so many windows open. I on will my say phone. my quote is: I'm proud of Tyler for not bringing up eating butt today. <laughs> oh, I didn't. <laughs>
shouldn't have mentioned it. Now it's gonna end. No, nope, no, nope, not on this episode. I'm not, gonna, I'm not gonna do it. My intro was bad enough for this episode, so I'm it not was terrible. Okay. <laughs> so my quote for this week is: If you can't fly, then run. If you can't run, then walk. If you can't walk, then cry. But whatever you do, you have to keep moving forward. And that's from MLK. Hey, uh, once again, thank you everybody for stopping here today. Megan, Deidre, Darrell, we thank you guys for being open, honest, um, and hopefully this episode reaches the people that it needs to reach and hopefully they can take something from it. Once again, episode 23 of the Table for Three podcast on behalf of Deanna, I'm Top Rope Tyler. We'll see you guys in two weeks. Peace. Peace.